boy. You lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 143. On tonight's episode, Fat Manling is running his own one-day tournament and has no idea what he's doing. So he's brought on the guy who's been running tournaments since before some of you were even beardlings. <laughs> so shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms, bringing you planning, preparation, and hopefully some payoff. I'm Dave Whitech, and with me tonight is tournament organizer and tournament runner and guy whose name is attached to most of the Midwest Warhammer tournaments extraordinaire, Alex Gonzalez. Alex, thanks for coming on again. Glad to be here. Total pleasure. Alex, I'm running a primer for your tournament, and I've never run <laughs> I've never run anything before. So I said, "Hey, Alex, come on and talk to me about this." And I figured, "Hey, that might actually be because there's a lot of new players." There are there are a ton of new people, and so they're gonna want to do stuff like this too. I'm guessing, and some people are braver than me and didn't wait like ten years of playing to say, "Okay, I'm gonna run something now," like something that is like one day and has been right there, not like a campaign or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, we'll do, let's do that on the air. Yeah, why and you not? Agreed to it. Oh, come so, on. Like, I would turn you down. Oh, I know, but that's I appreciate it. But so that's that's what we're doing tonight. That's I, I'm kind of excited. So, all right. So, but before we do that, let's, uh, we got to do, can you help me do the thing where you thank the sponsors? Oh, of course. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Um. So, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer. The sponsors of Garage Hammer are Unique Gifts and Games. In Grays Lake, Illinois. Mirsha Miniatures. Mirsha Miniatures. Nice. You got it. That's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures.com. Mantic Games. Building Bigger Armies. The TC War Room in Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. And you ready? Yep. yep. Battle Foam. Protecting your... Army. That and never gets old. It, it, it's always <laughs> been old, but other people do it now. And that's the coolest part is I started something really dumb and people joined me. And you know, <laughs> I may be the dumb one, but I'm the leader and yeah. that's okay. Lovely. See, exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, and don't forget Six Squared Studios. Oh, yeah. Those yes, guys. There are new guys. And um, yeah, that's actually that. That that picture from the if you see the if you've gone to the website and you should garagehammer.net that um dude that's Kevin's paint space that's, that's like his painting desk he's got like that whole line of their paints so of course he can make his own thing so he made that that's kind of a good idea if you think about it like I don't if you don't care about the names of the colors like if you're not looking mm-hmm. by name. By someone else telling you what color to use. If you're just going by color, just have it all sideways like that so the bottom of the pot sticks out. Yeah, and my problem is I've memorized the names, so that doesn't help me so much. Exactly. But it's a great setup. Wow, it was just crazy. But so, yeah, we got them going on too. So, um, other than that, uh, let's jump real quick. Uh, voicemail, if you want to call and leave a voicemail. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. And you international callers, as you by now know, you have to dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Uh, we got several entries into the music contest. Uh, some people 
have sent in links saying this is some royalty free stuff that we found that we thought might be really cool for your show. Give it a check it out if you like it. Um, few people have sent uh, me stuff saying, hey, they're going to put together some original pieces and sending me links to some of their original pieces. And then some people are sending me links to other people who are like looking to do work to do, you know, just get their name out there. So it's like, hey, so there's some interesting stuff coming in. So hopefully you know, by episode 150, we'll have some music and some cool stuff going on. I'm kind of excited. Like this is turning out kind of neat. You've inspired people to song, Dave. That's kind of crazy. I've inspired people to song. Um, that's, yeah, that's not right. Okay. <laughs> that's not right. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's all about that. Um, yeah. So I guess that's about it. Wow. Okay. We're through all that. And I guess it's time to go to a commercial. We're going to go to our first quick break and then come back with the news and rumors because there's so much cool stuff coming out unless you're Alex and you don't like it. Was that a spoiler? I think that might have been a spoiler. Whatever. <laughs> we'll be right back. Folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did. Okay, we're back, and uh, it's time for the news and the rumors, um, and they're brought to you by the internet, because that's where we look. Um, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> wow, this is just, this is a train wreck already. Um, no, this is good, man. Let's keep going. Let's okay. Keep going. Um, hey, so the biggest news is I'm running a one-day bits prep tournament at Unique Gifts and Games on Saturday, May 21st. Um, their doors open at 11, and so that's when the sign-in starts, um, and um, we're going to be starting shortly thereafter once people get signed in, um, I think at 11.30. I have more details. They'll be up on the website by the time the episode drops, um, but this is the first time I'm on it. Three, uh, three rounds, Age of Sigmar. Uh, bits prep, which is South Coast GT rules, basically, I believe. Uh, am I right, Alex? Since it's- yeah, it's uh, the South Coast rules, um, almost verbatim. Um, I mean, like, if you read the pack, they ask you to bring terrain and all that stuff, and we're not asking that. I'm not asking that for bits. I don't think you're asking that for this. Nope. Um, but other than that, it's going to be the South Coast pack um, with the most up-to-date 
War Scrolls. Um, and then the legacy stuff is the big deal. Like for South Coast, they're not doing that right now. Um, but for Bits, how we're doing it, anything legacy is a zero to one deployed unit or a zero to two if it's core. So you can do like two units of skeleton archers and the unit of necro knights or whatever in your death army. Um, and then no legacy formations. But other than that, it's all good in the hood. All right. Well, that's cool. So, so you can bring a few. Oh, I could throw the casket of souls back into my. Absolutely. Back into my death army. That's that's the only one. That's the only model I ever took, because I was such a cheese. That's what I just did. I always just threw the casket of souls into my. That was my, a good pick. You know what? It's the one thing I needed for my army to work. My zombie army just needed good magic phases. Getting a couple mm-hmm. of extra dice every turn. It almost it, it it's like ensured that I never had a completely horrible magic phase. That's all I needed. It did yeah. it worked very well for me that one model. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But check that out. Um, I don't know if it'll be on the calendar at the, on the website at uniquegg.com, which is our sponsor's website. But if not, it'll be on the show notes and on the stuff on the, our website. Because yeah, I'm I'm doing this. So there we go. All right. Um, I got uh, it's Saturday's White Dwarf for 23rd April 2016, and on the cover are the Oryx and the Great Wall begins. I love this wyvern, this squat turtle-looking, beastly, grumpy. I like the white, the pale one. The I think the best. Yeah, it's a good color. Um, the Maw Crusher is a big kind of. I don't know. It looks. A little more of a reptilian version of the traditional wyvern. Um, it's quite a bit squattier, and it actually looks like mean, not kind of doopy. Right. Like the, it looks really angry. <laughs> it does. I mean, Skullmuncha, uh, Azhag's wyvern, was the coolest wyvern that they've come out with in a very long time. And this guy trumps him, and it's like, okay, all right, you got it. For sure. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Harrison doesn't like it, and I, I'm like, you're just not looking at it right. Like, seriously, there's something wrong with you. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, it's not right. I'm like, no, seriously. I do want to see the thing in person because, like, you only see the front where it's got, you know, it's leaning down, and you got the orc standing on his back, looking completely awesome. Um, I want to see I the totally back. Agree. I want to see the back. I love this model, though. I really do. It, like the other pictures in the White Dwarf where they kind of go to the, the other side of him where they turn around so he's mm-hmm. kind of facing toward you. It looks cool. I just, I like the whole concept of him. He's like the thick knuckly, <laughs> thick knuckly fingers almost, digits mm-hmm. that he's got. Um, everything about this guy is just, I I mean, from what I've seen so far, it could come out and you see the actual thing in your hands and it disappoints, but I think this thing looks really cool. Like, I am really pleased. with This is what I wanted the dwarf creature to look like. Short and squat and thick and just vicious looking. This thing looks vicious. Yeah, it's a tank. Yeah. And the orc on the back, the boss or whatever he's called now, he's actually chained to the Maw Crusher. So he's not even sitting. He's surfing on this thing, um, which I know some people don't like the surfer aspect to it, but... With the whole thing of he's restrained himself to the mock crusher because that's how much he wants to crump. That's pretty awesome. I was thinking more along the lines of this thing is. Um, I thought I read something about these things being. 
you know, like barely tameable. Mm. You know, like they go into battle and they like to fight, but uh, they pretty much they're not really tameable, which is why this guy's chained to it because it will try. It's going to try to throw him off. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's he can, even better. <laughs> yeah, he can he can fight this way better if he's just chained down to it. He can fight and throw his arms out while this thing bucks around. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, and Oruk must be insanely strong to quote tame such a monster, and they are. Uh, they, they nail pieces of iron into them to show it who it belongs to and make it even more spiky and killy. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I thought these things were really cool. Can we talk about that armor? Because it looked really. I like it. Yeah, they definitely kind of like the slap it together, punch it, so it fits your figure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because at first I looked at the armor on the shoulder pads. I'm like, it looks like a shell. Because yeah. it's got those panels. But then I looked at it closer and said, well, of course it looks like a shell because a shell is like that got that nat- natural sets to a form. I'm like, they put this over him and just beat it until it fit him properly. Well, like that's like that's the shape. These guys are just really big. But see, at first I thought that was like the new aesthetic. But then if you look on the back cover of the White Dwarf, there's just a bunch of those regular old old model black orcs with the all plastic the plastic ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I assume that they're staying. And the other ones are so much bigger. Dude, these other models are so much bigger. They're on like 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. You look at them next to the black orcs, and the black orcs look tiny. Compared to these guys on the back cover, I'll send you a I'll send you a, a picture of it um, as soon as I can. But it's it's they're tiny compared to them, and so these big guys. I'm wondering if that's what what would be really cool is if you get to read the uh, reading the fluff, and it's like the orcs actually can make armor because because it, it doesn't look like they can. It looks like they're just you know taking big slabs of metal and mm-hmm. pounding it you know on. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the guy riding on the on the on the picture on the with the picture with the yellow, even though I don't like the yellow, you can see the bolts there. Yeah. And I thought so it was I thought it was bolted into other pieces of metal, but it actually looks like it's bolted right into the, him. Yeah. Yeah. The aesthetic when I look at them, especially with that yellow paint job, and I'm not a fan of yellow paint job, no. um, is uh, they have a very 40k orc aesthetic yeah um, oh yeah especially with that yellow paint job you get them out of the yellow they're a little better but they know what they're doing with sculpting an orc that does well and looks good i think they just went the wrong direction with the paint choice so i think get getting them out of yellow into like a red or something else that isn't yellow will make them substantially better just to my eye oh i agree and um I know they've got some other colors here in the, uh, or it's in the in one of the other books. In the, I guess there was a, some previews from the destruction book that showed them with the red, mm-hmm. and with the uh, with the black, and uh, it was it it does look. Uh, yeah, even here on the cover, they've got some of them in red, and it looks much better. Um, you know they call, but I mean they call some of them. They call the wizard guy guy a weird boy, and they're calling some of the guys. I mean, so the, even the names. You got a mega boss. Yeah, I don't I know that I like the with the yeah weird knob. They got yeah. the, the, not a weird boy, but a weird knob shaman. And then they've got brutes. 
and a war chanter. That's the guy with the sticks, right? Yeah, he's like he pounds out the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you got the mega boss. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's some of those names that sort of, um, you know, match over, which right, I right. I wasn't too keen on, but I like the models though. I just I love that. With their size, I'm just—they can't actually make armor that big. They just put these big metal slabs on it. They pound it down and pound it and pound it and pound it and pound it until it wraps around them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's awesome. That would be—that would be awesome if that's what it was. Because these models are big. Because if these are as big as they look, then these guys on their big oh, 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 the boars with the weird under the neck beard. Under, yeah, with the yeah, yeah, not. Not a fan of the boars. I mean, I need to see them in person to see if I could possibly like cut them up and make their necks look a little more natural. Um, but here's here's my thing. I don't know what it doesn't. It, I mean, it it you know if you paint it the right color, it could look like pasta. I mean, it really does. It's got this <laughs> weird look to it. I'm looking at the picture right now, and here's the, here's the thing. Okay, so whatever it's supposed to be is what it's supposed to be. I don't have a problem with it until you look at the one who's got his head down and his mouth open mm-hmm. because that stuff is going completely parallel with the ground. So when his mouth bends and goes down, if it was hair or rolls of fat or flesh or something like that, it would still like sag towards the ground, and it just whoop, bent at a 90-degree angle parallel straight across with the ground. So it's like, well, uh-huh. what is that then? Like if it's just solid moving with the jaw. I mean, I don't know. I just, I mean, this. I'm just looking at the guys on the boars, and the rest of the boars cool, but the that part underneath the jaw is weird looking to me, and the it teeth is. are weird looking because they look like stone teeth, at least the big parts. I mean, they literally look like the swords, like they've got a sword edge on one side and a, a triple notch, you know, like the tooth edge of the other sword on the other edge of their teeth. It's a, it's a weird thing. I, maybe it's just me, but the mm-hmm. boar's bottom jaw is just weird all over. Yeah. That's a very orky thing to do, though, to, like, cap their teeth in metal. Um, that's something that's very common across the orc range and orc 40k range is where they cap teeth in metal. So Oh, so maybe that's what that is then. Okay, I'm just, I'm just looking at it wrong then. Yeah, but See, it's a about. new thing because we've not really seen a lot of boars where their teeth are like that. Because the boars that we have are just, like, the big, long-nosed boars. And they don't have anything that crazy. They're kind of like armor head, but they don't have a lot of the crazy embellishments that they did on these new Gorgruntas or whatever they are. Right. But if these things are as big as they're supposed to be, which is what I'm imagining, like Razor Gore, Varengard size, then these might be some big pigs. This is a whole lot of bacon coming at you. <laughs> no kidding, huh? Yeah. So, um, okay, let me ask you this. How much do you know about 40K stuff? A little bit. So um, I'm reading this, and it talks about these orc brutes. And they're really large orcs in big, big armor, like really wide around the chest and coming up behind and over their back of their necks, um, mm-hmm. over the tops of the backs of their heads. And as I'm, I'm reading about these guys, because they give you some of, their, some of their war scrolls, and I just want to look these guys up real quick. Um, they come in units of five. And they can either come with two choppas or they can have the um, the double-handed gore hackas. So they could take the two-hand weapons or the one two-handed weapon, okay? Yeah. Um, one in five can use a gore choppa, 
So one in every five models can get a separate weapon, which um, has a good range, slightly harder to hit, but does D3 damage. So it's got like a, another, an extra, you know, now a special weapon. Mm-hmm. And then the boss can either take a boss chopper, you know, which is a, a better version of their chopper, or he can have a claw and smasher, which literally is the big metal claw with an opposable metal thumb and like a metal hammer type thing that yep. he's got. So I mean that's like that that's that's pretty much like that does like a what is this, like a terminator squad almost? They're like the mega knobs in power armor or mega knobs in I think they're just called mega knobs. Um and they have like the power claws on them. And like even just the regular unit champ knobs can take power claws, I think. I'm not super up on my 40k. Yeah, because that's what this. Um, yeah, that's what this. That's a guy. Be he would be a unit champ, and then one in five can take this other special weapon. And that reminds you of that. I mean, that just reminds you of some of the stuff I read in 40k since I never really play it. But it's like there's five. They can be armed either way. One in five can take this other special weapon, and then your your champ, your boss guy, can he can have his own special weapons too. And one's a. I'm like I know I've seen claws on those 40k orcs. Yeah, and they've done that, like, even with the Liberator squads, it's you can take this kit out, one in five can have a special weapon, and right. so, I mean, it's not, that mechanic itself is not new to us, but some of the look and aesthetic is definitely a bit of a crossover to the 40k range, which okay. is not a bad thing, it's just something new. Yeah. I don't know about that shaman model. He's a little weird, I he has the same issue to me as the Tomb King's Lich Priest. It's the Uwawi. I sure got a pee pose. Um, he he looks <laughs> like he's got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not bad. I mean, it looks. I mean, you know, the it's very expressive and stuff. It's just like I don't know. Well, I'll look. At, I get this one. I want to see in person. Yeah, the Chanter looks like one of the big winners out of this release um i really like that guy and just the aesthetic behind him that he essentially gets to play blue man group all over the place which is cool because that's what they should be is they should have like that driving force the drums the loud screaming that's that's greenskins it's always been green is to do like that yeah and now they have a guy whose sole job is to do that yeah i like that (laughs) yeah foot of gork is kind of awesome now have you seen this yeah, it's the same spell um, that I think the Savage Orcs have currently. The new scroll, they have the Fist of Gork, which is a lesser version, but it does kind of the same thing. But the fist is just, or the foot is kind of crazy, considering like you get Power of the Wog if you're close to the boys. So you get some certain bonuses, but yeah. there's some pretty significant minuses too, in case you screw up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, this one it doesn't really there. There doesn't seem to be any negatives if you screw up with this one. Yeah, I thought there was some connection where like they did damage to their buddies if they rolled a double or something. Oh no, that's um, they they uh they they get plus one to their casting and their unbinding if there's ten or more auric models within ten inches. They add two to the roll if there's twenty or more models within ten inches, but if they roll doubles. One of those, the closest unit within 10 inches takes D3 mortal wounds. There you go. So you can add plus one and plus two to them if there's more orcs around them. It, like, degenerate that energy. 
Mm-hmm. But if you roll doubles, that energy does a little bit of a spit up. Yep. And that's very orky. Yep. No, I like it. I like I like the rules for this. I like the three levels of the uh, Mega Boss command ability. Mm-hmm. You got the Wah with the 10-inch on uh, on the Mega Boss. It goes up to 15-inch when he's up on the Maw Crusher. And then you get that voice of Gork. It goes up beyond calling the wall. You become the voice of Gork himself if you're if you're Gordrak. Yeah, which is awesome. He seems like a combination between like Azhag and Grimgore. Yeah, which, like an awesome combination between the two of them. And just his ability, like if you're not playing with Italians, it's not. It doesn't do any good. But if you are, if you if you play, if you take him, you have to go and like. Go and make sure you're taking a battalion. Oh yeah! And suddenly it's like boom! That whole thing just the whole thing charges. The whole thing's hitting with extras. You're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Suddenly it does. It goes berserk. Oh yeah! It's gonna be a good deal. I mean, he's awesome, and then he's got the best model, one of the better kits that they've put out. I mean, the Drake's cool, but I don't know this thing. Pending seeing yeah. it in person, no ooh, kidding. this might be a top one. Well, then Harrison was even saying, he was looking at the Brutes, and he goes, if all their melee weapons get increased by two, these Brutes, he goes, the guys with the choppers go from four to six. He goes, the other guys goes from three to five. He goes, but if the guy with the claw and the smasher goes from one to three, and the other ones goes from two, so that goes to four. He goes, that guy gets goes up to seven attacks. He goes, and with that rule... um, with the boss claw, you roll for the boss claw first, and if the boss claw gets any hits, mm-hmm. the smasher automatically hits with all its hits, which is then bad. <laughs> well, yeah, because they <laughs> both real hit, good. They both hit on fours and they both wound on threes, but that brute smasher, you know, all of those automatically that that becomes suddenly four automatic hits with rend mm-hmm. two and d three damage wounding on threes. Yeah. So suddenly it's like you get a couple of those guys up there in that. It. Yes, it's only once per game. Sure. And it's like, well, that's, uh, you know, but yeah, at the time you need it, land right, these guys suddenly burst out into that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's definitely like kill a character, definitely potential. Yeah. Guys suddenly rolling up and just going crazy. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I like, I just, I like the look. I like, you know what these guys look like? This is the... Uh, the brutal but cunning. This is they look. They look like uh, like the forces of. I don't want to use the word destruction because it's a, it's a ter- a game term. I mean it more as a force of destruction, like you yeah. know, or like a you know an agent of chaos, but not in game terms, in literal terms. Like these guys. Hey, we lo- this looks. This is a. They look like a race that loves to go to war. Not not a bunch of you know. There's no, the Joker portion of it's gone. Gone. Oh yeah, this is definitely the we gonna hit stuff. We gonna hit it hard, and then we gonna go hit something else. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I I think it's pretty cool. A few things in it I'm not so sure on, but most of the stuff I'm seeing I'm really liking. I'm looking at it going, wow. If I didn't, if I wasn't focused, I'd be mm-hmm. buying stuff. I'm just you know. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm wow. with you, buddy. And I got friends who are like, oh, I want to buy this stuff. I'm like, well, good. At least I have someone to play against. <laughs> you right. Know? So I can see this stuff on the table. Because wow. It mm-hmm. looks pretty hot. So, um, you know what though? Um, you know what I'm curious about though? Hmm. Uh, what happens? Okay, now that the destruction book has been released, right? Yeah. 
So now we've got the list for all the factions and all the models. But obviously, like even the, I don't believe the order book has the uh, extremist chamber stuff in it, right? It does. Does it? Does the it order book does. have it? I didn't go through. I didn't go through the order book after checking the extremist chamber. So it doesn't have the level of fluff that the extremist book does, and doesn't have the formations. Um, but they're in there. Okay, but they are in there. Okay, that's good then. So I'm wondering if there's. Does this mean that's it for a while? Or is there going to be? Are there going to be some more releases? And if there's just going to be more releases, then will there be? You know, are they going to update the the Grand Alliance books like once a year or once every so often? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, they're not that and expensive. So no. you know, you know, if you you don't want to, you don't want to be buying them every you know six months, but no, what, but if I'm you're buying the, them every year, or so that's not terrible. Because I mean, we've paid. If you buy all four of the books, that's going to be what a hundred bucks, and in the old system, that was two army books. In this, you're getting everything for a hundred dollars if you wanted to buy the books, or it's you update on the app, so they can oh, yeah, do that yeah, instantaneous can release. That's true. Yeah, I mean, heck, it's out now, and the the pre order just goes up today. Right. And it's up. I mean, it's up on. Actually, it's up on Friday. It was up on. It's up on Friday, and the pre order actually starts on the on their site tomorrow, doesn't it? Or is it up now? Uh, it depends where you are in the world. Oh, that's right. It's up now because it's yeah, six, yeah, right. So, but still, that's just crazy. And they got their their uh, buy it while you can section is actually not that didn't go that deep. No, it's very tiny, and there was some stuff in there that I was expecting more stuff to be in there. I was expecting anything snotling to be in there. I was expecting squigs to go away. I was fully expecting them to like seriously thin that herd. And they didn't. But did I see spiders up there? No, the I mean, spiders are Ragnaroks. No, they're in there. They're in the get it while it's get it no, while no, it's no, hot. No. The only stuff that's in the get it while it's hot is like the war boss on the current wyvern, but not Azhag. Azhag is still in it. Um, he's just downgraded to a regular war boss now. Okay. Um, and then they lost Grecius. Um, the uh, fanatics, the old metal ones, the whirling death, or whatever it's called. Uh, the chase is gone. Uh, Rugluds, uh, Grecius. Um, there wasn't a whole lot that got pulled, and the spiders are still in there. The arachnoids are still definitely a part of it, but I was expecting there to be a lot more going, and there ain't. No, not that much. Almost no ogres, too. I mean, outside no. of Grecius. Yeah, they kept most of that range except for Greasy, which is fine. Um, but they like they kept Scrag, and they turned him into a Butcher with an option for a Cauldron. Okay, so, so you can use him. Yeah, he's a generic character, which is cool, which then means that you can use that big awesome model. And then they turned uh, the other two special characters into Man-Eaters. So, who knows? Well, this is pretty... Then yeah, it's mostly named characters, and I thought there was more on the. W- I thought I saw somewhere on Twitter that there was more than this. I thought the other, huh? Someone showed more than this. Yeah, no, there was not a lot that got knocked down, which and it sold is... out pretty quick. There's just fanatics, the orc war boss on a wyvern, and that the chase. I mean, that's a specialty thing. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I'll take it. 
I'm not going to complain. I thought for sure that they were going to get rid of Night Goblins, and I was going to cry my eyes out. Oh, I didn't think Night Goblins were going, but I thought the other Goblins would all be going. I thought all I the lost Tomb Kings, goblins. brother. I didn't. I don't count on anything not sticking well, around. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Ale Guzzler Gargant. Is that just a giant? Yeah, it's the giant. It's the new uh, thing for them is that they're part of the Ale Guzzlers. Um, which is cool. They gave them their own little distinction, but okay. it just means that there's opportunity now for that to actually become a thing, an ale guzzler oh, okay. faction. And they kind of have that with the balance of power or no, the God beast formation where you can take the five giants. So, all oh, right. Okay. You know, what's cool on their website right now huh. <laughs> under featured product, they get your start collecting and you're getting started and your best sellers. Which, okay, whatever for the best sellers. It's like what they wanted to be the best sellers. Uh, then they got the Realm Gate Wars. Then there's South Coast Grand Tournaments on there. And I know they covered the South Coast GT, mm-hmm. but they took, I think it was like the three top armies. Yes, they did. And they just took the list. Yeah. And if you want that lit, like if you want to play that army, they have a one click. <laughs> now, it's funny because they're all listing as temporarily out of stock at the moment. Yeah, but there's a click. You know, email me when it's available, and you click on it, and it's literally it's got a name, and it tells you exactly what's in the force: the Glotkin, Scarbrand, Vermin Lord, Deceiver, Rotbringer, Sorcerer, Lord of Plagues, Forty Storm Vermin, Twenty Blight Kings, Six Giselle to Plague Claw, a Soul Grinder, and mm-hmm. it's like this is yep, this is what you're getting. And it's yeah. just like, that's crazy. It's just so funny that they took the winning tournament. Hey, you want this list? Here it is. We got it all packed up for you, ready to go. Yeah, and they got a little bit of feedback from the players that actually ran those lists on the website, too. Yeah. Kind of explaining how it works. So so you can kind of see that, you know, the game can play at that kind of level. And, by the way, if you want to see what did it, this is how you do it. If you want to play it, rock on. Yeah, that's cool. I I like that. I just thought it was neat to see that there. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, okay. I see what they're doing. Here's the winning list. You can play it too. Okay. Because why not? So, yeah. So that's, I think that's it for news and rumors. The orc stuff and it does. Okay. It's got, uh, okay. The destruction book's coming out. Yep. Uh, next Saturday. The orc, whatever the name of their, what's the new faction? Where's the book list? Hold on. I got the book list right here in front of me. It's Iron Jaws, right? Yeah. Iron Jaws. Is it Iron Jaws? I'm saying, yeah, I don't remember. I'm, that's why I have a book in front of me. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah, Iron Jaws with a with a Z. Iron Jaws, because that's how you do it. Yeah. So we got the Iron Jaws book, the Grand Alliance Destruction book with a hundred or with with sixty one War Scrolls, which seems so small considering they didn't cut that many models from the line. Yeah. It but I'm wondering does... if all those like because they had a lot of character models too in the line, and they didn't seem to cut nearly as many as they did from the other lines. But I'm wondering no. if they had with just the different options and they kept them for different things. Yeah. Because looking know? at like the Night Goblin or the Moon Clan gob- get Moon Clan Grots, um, like Skarsnik is now a Moon Clan Grot war boss. But it's you have the option to take a Prodder and a Big Squig as right. a Grot war boss. But the command ability is the same thing. So it's not like they got rid of it. They just compacted it. Which right. is what I was expecting them to do, to a certain point. But I'll take it. I'm not gonna throw anything up. This is looking like a thumbs up from me. So yep, yeah. And then uh, ne- also next Realmgate Wars book, Fury of Gork. 
Yeah, that's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. And then um, there's also an, uh, one of the audio books. And then there's a fold-out in the middle Ooh. of this week's White Dwarf. And it's both pages on the center thing full out. So it's a four-page spread, The Great Wah, and it's a huge four-page spread. And I, did, I was at UGG, and I got it, and I opened it up, and Luke Fritz was behind the counter with Kathleen, and I folded and I saw the center fold. And I started to listen, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, it's toy soldier porn. Look at this. I'm like, it's model porn. And mm-hmm. I fold open the centerfold, and it's this huge spread of the all the new orcs, but they're mostly yellow. But the three dragons are in all three different colors, or the three uh, wyverns are in all different colors. You know the different ones you saw in the, in the yeah, di- yeah, yeah. And it's all against all these fire slayers with all their. They all look like Chinese dragons now when you look at them compared to this other thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they come running up. It's like okay. So we got that running in on the other side. It's just a huge, cool spread. It looks really great. So yeah. I'm just like, oh, this is cool. So okay, that's enough. We're done. We got to take a break. Um, but th- uh, I'm very excited for this. Like I haven't been this excited for release, like in a long time. Like just from seeing the pictures. Like I'm like, oh, I really <laughs> like this. Like I really like this a lot. Yeah. So everything else, I was like, kind of like wait and see. And I saw this. Like no, no, that's it. That's the model. That's right there. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Like I liked a lot of these things I saw, and I like not rushing to buy it, not rushing to buy it. And I looked, I keep looking at that mall beast, going, I just want one. I just really want one. Like I know mm-hmm. I'm not going to play them. I just really want one. I said that to Harrison. I go, if I was all caught up on painting, there's my next project right there. That's a cool model. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. So, all right, folks, we'll be right back. And uh, when we come back, we'll hit back with the toolbox, which is brought to you by Chaos Org Superstar. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. We are back, and it's time for the toolbox. Brought to you by Chaos Arc Superstore. Chaos Arc Superstore. I don't know. I always screw that up. No. no it was fine. It was a fine <laughs> Chaos Arc Superstore. It was yeah, mighty. It was mighty wonderful. I heard that and I thought, wow, that's what I was imagining in my head when I first started doing the Chaos Arc Superstore thing. That's what I was trying to do. And you just you you captured it. It was fantastic. You've been doing any modeling? Oh, God, yes. Um <laughs> That seems to be all I do. Um, wow. 
Yeah, it's it's a fabulous life. Just um, I've been committing like I haven't formally done it yet, but uh, Rogers uh, from Point Amers got the one hundred percent painting completion challenge. Oh boy, um, there you go. So have yeah, fun I'm, with that, guys. It's a little crazy. Um, I'm not as in the hole as some other people, but I'm definitely like not crawling out of it anytime soon. Um, so, but lately I've been working on my storm host, um, and company. So I've got, uh, 20 flagellants on the paint table right now. I should have those done in the next couple days. Um, yeah, just, I, that's one of the kits that I'm so glad that they kept. Um, because there's so much character to those models. Um, so they're definitely cool. And I finished up, uh, another wizard and a warrior priest and a knight heraldor. Um, so yeah, we're definitely getting there. Um, I still got a lot to do. Um, and then I've got like Malifaux stuff I've been working on and an infinity. Um, it just doesn't stop and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I've been trying to get it done. I'm actually going up to uh, capital city bloodbath in August up in Ottawa. Okay. Uh, Can Hammer uh, is running that event, so I'm going to be playing in their AOS championship up there. So I'm trying to get my uh, storm hosting company done in time for that. I see, I see. Okay, so that's what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, but so, you know, 100% cha- nah, nah. I'm, I'm looking at, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I'm saying, it's... nah, that's not for me. I'm just, no, nah, I can't do it. Not this year, at least. Yeah, but I understand people who are doing it, and God bless you. But forget about it for me, no. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, did you see Andrea Schwant? She took that class, and I forget what it's called, but it's like painting like those those little anime figures, the chibis. The, yeah, wow. they're adorable. Those things look cool when she was done painting with the giant ass eyeballs with the little white like spot catching the light, like ding. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to learn. <laughs> that's so cute. That would go far at my house. Like, oh, I believe it. You know, like that's a cool one to learn. But that's a total sidetrack. But I saw that. I was like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I saw, you know, I saw the one she did at Adepticon. My Adepticon coverage last episode was awful. I apologize, by the way. A couple of people pointed out that I just missed entire chunks of things I did at Adepticon because I was just like trying to get through it's the okay. cool stuff I did. But Adepticon's the experience, and there's just too much to cover. Yeah, well, but I mean, I forgot like big basic things too. So you know, oh. like, people I talked to, I didn't say I like. There's a lot of people I saw and said hi to. I wanted to get some games, and I didn't. I mean, I totally didn't even mention that that the. Uh, and you know, Luke was in on it too, and he could have said something that the two day event actually had a one day component to it. If you oh, wanted yeah. to do a one day component. You know, like you could just play the one day, like if you just want to play for three rounds, get a feel for it, see how it's going, which you totally mm-hmm. left it open then. I, we already have the tables, so if you want to stay, you can. I mean, you only went down like six players, I think. Yeah, we didn't go down that much. Yeah, it was only a few. But I know Rotor took first that first day. You think of that, of all the reasons, that I'd remember. He ended yeah. up first that day. You think that would be something for me to Nope, there's me like, oh, yeah, it's two-day thing. Totally forgot about the chibi painting. Like, I just... Hell, this year, though, I lost my Halo Charger, and I left my 
free arena rex model sitting on a table in the in the warhammer room so like i'm a dumbass this is not my year for for like actually remembering and keeping my stuff it's okay but uh, we'll find your stuff oh geez thanks um <laughs> okay so here's here's what i've done i only painted i painted very little okay but a little i did a little one night and i only did like one thing <laughs> And it's all the guys in my liberators that I'm painting that have cloaks. Okay, I've huh. been trying to paint like they like on the. I've been following the video, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of levels of gray before you get to that white. Yeah, in the inside of the cloak, and so I just I added like a, like another la- layer, like another like a third layer of the like the next color, and you know I never realized till watching the videos where he says you're gonna do two layers here. Mm-hmm. And like I've always painted with a lot of these base colors or layer colors, and it's like, well, this is going to be the main color, and you just you know if it's if it's not covering, it's like, well, I'm I'm thinning it out too much. I'm telling myself, and then right. I realize this guy thins it out too much. He says, no, just do two layers because the paint then is nice and thin. And so I'm looking at this white, going, wow, it's starting to look real pale and white, and there's no streaks, there's no lines, there's no chunks. I'm like, oh, this is starting to look. Like I've always wanted it to look like, like oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, like oh, I'm doing something right. So like, that was really good. Uh, but that was all the painting I had a chance to do. Like the one night I came down here, but I just was like, I was tired, and um, we had just finished uh, tearing up the whole floor. Like we had torn up the floor, we would put in the new floor. It was like the first day we finished, and I had been like working with my hands the whole day. Like there was no, like there was no fine motor skill working there to do little painting stuff so no not after that yeah no so i was like you know what and i grabbed a box of uh my mantic zombies and i grabbed a sheet because i bought the 25 millimeter round bases from Mm -hmm. mantic for them and i just got uh 20 of them cut and just like because they come with the the bases come on little sheets of 10 yeah yeah. so i have the the leg the you know the bottom halves all in there you know cut off the sprue and you know cleaned up and put in the little 25 bases 25 mil bases because i'll have some zombies in in my games and instead of i'm not going to transfer the old ones when i've got boxes and boxes of zombies here so i'm like you know what it's just something to build i can put off to the side i know i'm going to paint them eventually and uh it's, it's just a break from the painting of the stormcast so i'm like i'm not starting a new project this is stuff i need to do Right. For that other army, it's just you know, it's just something that I can keep doing something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just like for one night. It wasn't much, but it was just something that, so I could feel like I was doing something. Right, right. Stormcaster coming along, and I'm really liking them. Yeah, they're fun. They are so fun to paint. Yeah, I just I really, I'm really liking it. So that's where I'm going. And I have a, I do have a Star Drake and a box of Dracothian Riders. So, um, <laughs> what was that for? <laughs> so jealous. I haven't picked up any of them yet, and but I've been still looking in at the box. them because I, oh. I gotta, I gotta paint this stuff first. Like it's like I may, or at least at least get these first unit and a couple of these other smaller units painted before I go and build those. You know, sure. get, get enough of this core stuff painted that I've already built and primed and gotten the first couple of coats of paint on. Finish this big unit because that's like almost half the army is this big ass unit of thirty three liberators. Yeesh. You know, get that all done, and that's like a big. That's like half the army, you know, and it's a mm-hmm. huge chunk of core. It works. It's I've got it. It's done. Um, and then, uh, but I think I was talking to Rotor, and I, said, I told him I said I think I'm going to go just like a basic green, like a dragon, dragon, you know, mm-hmm. like the old school. 
you know, medieval dragon. And he's like, <laughs> so um, he was giving me suggestions and we came up. Um, I think we're going to go with teal. Oh, cool. Um, but then I said, I didn't want to do Dracothians in the same color. Um, and we don't know if they're actually, uh, what do you call it? Like related to them or not like the books, you know, they might be somehow, but you're not, it's not a hundred percent. But so mm-hmm. what I said is I, I went with similar colors. Sure. Um, but I went with theirs a little being a little darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know most of the time when you have these, these types of beasts, you know, the colors get darker as they get older. Sure. And I just went the opposite. I went to get lighter. So like the champion, when I have the, uh, what do you call them? The, uh, Celestin on the on the on the Dracoth and not on the Drake. That'll be a slightly lighter than the rest of them, so you could tell the cha- okay. you know the champion one, uh, getting towards that Dracoth color. Not that they transform into them or anything like that, but it'll just that'll be like the the breakdown of how I'm you know how I'm going with the paint. I think at least I've had an idea. Sure. So you know I've been planning it out and working with it. So hey, look, I'm actually doing something kind of as almost like hobbying. Yeah, it's just the pro- progression. Of those things from little to big to biggest, and that's cool. That's yeah. I'm still clueless as to how to paint mine, so you're definitely one step ahead of me. Well, I I want to get this done actually because I'm kind of excited to get this done and then start working on some other things. It's like I've been painting this and it's working and I like it, but it's like there's so many other cool things that I have that I want to get painted too, so we could you know have more options to play with and stuff. Because Harrison Kira's got Kira's bugging me now. She's like, well, yeah, she's got those ogres, right? Exactly. She wants to learn how to play to get this stuff done so we can play. Sure. So I'm excited. So, all right, that's it for my modeling, too. Um, and I haven't had any games since Akon because I've been doing other stuff. What about yeah. you? You been doing any gaming? Um, A little bit. Not a whole heck of a lot. Um, I mean, at Adepticon, I got, I think, a grand total of five games in, um, three of which were in the team tournament. Uh, with John Wenger. Um, yep. We didn't do terribly well. We went one and two, but for whatever reason, we finished like fifth or sixth and got best order generals. And we brought lists that were just the cool models we liked, and somehow we did well. Um, but I've played a couple of test games for bits uh, for the scenarios that uh, we'll be talking about a little later. Um, yeah, so we tested one of those out. Um, and working on a few others. So that's really all I've been doing gaming-wise. And then I just finished up the rules pack and all eight of the scenarios for bits. So Okay, yeah. nice. <laughs> it's been rough. I've had to listen to a lot of 80s music lately. I mean, that's just that's so terrible. Oh, that's right. You've got the theme thing going, so. Yeah, we uh, do. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's great. You're going to love them, I swear. Yeah, I'm going to have to see them because we're going to do the for the – that's right, for the uh, for the tournament, for the primer. Because I was going to mm-hmm. say, I'm not going to be there, but I'm going to do the primer. That's as close as I'm coming. So, Are you doing any other? Let's do the other, and then we'll take our last, our last break before we start tournament talking. Yeah, sure. Um, as far as other, um, been doing a lot of reading. I've been reading uh, the Black Library stuff as it's been coming out. Oh, yeah. Um, so right now I'm on Black Rift. Um, I've got uh, all the Realm Gate Wars done to the point that we're at right now. Um, oh, you're ahead of me. Wow. Okay, good. Yeah, and then all the little extra books that they put out with for Black Library. Um, I've not done any of the audios, though. 
Um, that's the only thing I've not gotten to yet is the audios, and from what I understand, those are pretty awesome. Um, so uh, we're we're getting there. Um, and then Carrie and I have been watching um, a lot of Orphan Black. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. I've on seen BBC. the beginning. It's in it's in the list of things I have to watch on my Netflix account. I just haven't watched it. Yeah, we're on uh, season three of that right now, and then we also are doing the Americans. Um, we just finished up with uh, the People versus OJ Simpson. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> we watch a lot of FX and HBO. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I can. Sounds like it. Uh, yeah. So, what have I been? Uh, let's see. Uh, Gotham just, I think, is kissing closer. Gotham has gotten so much fun. It's gotten pretty good. Uh, Blacklist got really good. I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane, and that I thought was really fun. Uh, hmm. I, I saw Hardcore Henry, and that wasn't so great. It <laughs> didn't sound so good. Like, I don't have any, like, motivation no, to watch like, that I had movie a, at all. I had a, I had a ticket. Like, like, yeah, you want a ticket to go see it. Well, okay, that, I guess I'll go see it then since sure. it's your ticket. Um, it was... Okay, you know sometimes you watch your friend play Xbox and it's fun because you're sitting there and you're talking with them and you're hanging out and you're doing stuff and like you're with your friend doing it while they're playing Xbox, so it's like a good time. Going to a yeah. movie theater and sitting silently by and just sitting silently and watching someone play mm-hmm. Xbox for 90 minutes, not so fun. No, I can't imagine. And they, the bad guy just, oh my God. I don't want to throw spoilers down, but it was just so bizarre. Like, like you see him in the preview, and he's tall and thin, and he dresses with really shiny clothes, like he's a weird. And the long, straight white hair with the shiny eyes, like he's some weird Russian anime character. And you know, it's like, oh, I'm the bad guy. Okay, you're the bad guy. And he's like, okay, he's doing the bad guy talk, and the bad guy this, and the bad guy that. All of a sudden, he puts his hand out, and some guy's like floating in the air and choking. I'm like, oh wow, he's like telekinetic and force choking people. Like, okay. What, what is it? Yeah, just because they never explain it, they know no one ever talks about it. Like nobody thinks it's weird. Like it just no. happens, and this is just what's going on. And it's just the most bizarre movie. Like weird stuff goes on in this movie, and it's like I don't know. I was just like, what the hell am I watching? So, but it was a free movie, and so I was like, okay, I went to see it. So that was it. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm I've got my summer reading list put together and most of it is catching up on all this realm gate stuff and then catching up on horus heresy that's my summer plan because so right now as i'm going to and from work all my audible stuff i'm listening to is i'm on uh the third book of the first formic war series from orson scott card so earth awakened it's uh it's the wars that happened on earth before ender's game oh sure so yeah so it's you know mazer rackham and those characters are in this and uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's actually, I like Orson Scott Card, though. I've, I've read, like, dozens of his books. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so used to his writing style and the, just the, the, the way he writes I'm so familiar with. And it's just, like, it, I'm just comfortable with his books. I could pretty much pick up just about anything he writes at this point and start reading it. Uh, but when he starts writing in, these, in this specific, you know, these couple of universes he's created that he's written so many books in, it's just like putting on a comfortable pair of shoes at some point when you pick up a book and read it. It's like... You know you're going to kind of enjoy the story. You know you know the you know the universe you're getting into. So you're just going to enjoy the ride. You know, right, right. And so that's what I've been doing with that. So that's my other. And I guess that's it. That's it for you. 
That's, I got nothing. All right. Yeah, I got nothing. Oh, okay, so we're going to come back, and when we do, we're going to talk about running your own little one-day event at your local gaming store. How do you do it? What should you do? What should you plan for? Because um, we got a guy who knows and a guy who better figure it out real fast. So uh, we will be back with that in just a minute. Okay, folks, so while Alex is taking a quick break during this commercial break, I'm going to do the live commercial because why not? It's time for the live commercial. The live commercial is brought to you by me, the guy who hasn't gotten around to doing the not live commercial. So here we go with this Six Squared Studios. They are... um, Okay, I'm going to need to put a little edit in here. Bloop, 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 56 minutes. Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, the word squaredstudios.ca. Dude, they've got all your bases and laser cut um, base needs as well as all sorts of little tokens. Um, Dude, they've got paint trays that you can cut for a really great price. Um, Check out their website. Lots of good stuff. And so, um, before you get to the fancy cleaned up commercial, these are the things that they would like you to know about them. If Kevin himself were here, he would say to you, listener of Garage Hammer, here's what I want you to know about us. We ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both Canada and the U.S. Because we live on the border. And when you live on the border, you'll ship both ways. We... Make quality hardboard MDF bases, resin terrain, and acrylic counters and accessories. That stuff Dave was trying to tell you earlier, but he's stumbling and mumbling over it because he doesn't have a commercial done. That's what Kevin would say if he was here, but he's not, so I'm saying it for him. Next, he would tell you, we are gamers who make things to improve our gaming experience, and we love suggestions for custom items to help a fellow gamer out. So what he's saying there is, and I think I could paraphrase for him here because I'm the only one here, and no one's going to stop me. And that is, you need something specific made, contact them. They'll let you know what they can do for you. Um, Because, hey, sometimes you need a custom piece made. There you go. I'm thinking about one myself right now. So then the fourth thing he might tell you, and, you know, this comes up in many conversations, especially when you're talking to me, is, hey, say, hey, you know what? We may be odd. But what adult who still plays with toy soldiers isn't, huh? That's what he'd say. Except he'd say, eh, because he's from Canada. So he wouldn't say, huh. But that's just my guess because I'm an ugly American. So there you go. That's what you need to know. Six Squared Studios. Seriously, check them out. They've got cool stuff. They sent me this uh, prototype of something that they're working on. Um, It's like these. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say something about what they look like. It was cool. Oh, dude, I don't remember. that. They didn't really say don't talk about them. Whatever. Dude, they sent me some cool stuff. They sent me these uh, tokens, the the, the uh, objective tokens. Um, they, they've got the little measuring things for uh, Age of Sigmar or that you could use for Age of Sigmar. Um, just check out the website. It's awesome. You'll love it. It'll be great. And that's that. All right. So, and we're back. I think Alex is back. Did I hear Alex get back? Alex, are you back? I'm here. There's Alex. I just did a live read, Alex, because I'm I'm that I'm that I'm that lazy. No, you got those skills, man. 
That's all skills. it is. Yeah. I have the inability to shut up. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> People wouldn't listen if they didn't like it, so must be doing something right. Well, I, yeah. Or they're just too lazy to click unsubscribe. It's like on the Jetsons. I pushed the button all day. Look at my finger. So, I don't know. Okay, buddy. All right, ignore me. Let's talk about running a tournament. Ah, you see, now that's something I can talk about. Yes, you, yeah. How many have you run, do you think? Or do you yes. know exactly? Um, I would say it's more than one and less than a thousand. Um, I honestly don't remember. Um, I've been running tournaments uh, since 7th edition Warhammer. Um, I've handled Adepticon now every year since 8th edition dropped. Um, I was helping before then, so I honestly could not tell you how many tournaments I've run. So, um, since 8th, 8th edition dropped in July of 2010, so that meant you would have been running it at least the, well, in April, right? So, of 11? So, at least the last six years, at least. Yeah, and then um, I was helping a few years prior to taking over fully. Uh, Core Comp was in there uh, since 7th edition. Um, yep. And then... I honestly don't know how many one-day events I ran, because um, that's how I started, was one days. Uh, the original Core Comp was a one-day tournament uh, when I first got started. Um, so, yeah, I've been around this block a few times. All right, good, because this is, this is my first time doing something like this. So here's where I'm going to take some notes. This is me actually getting paper. It was well, actually me flipping over the notes for the show to the blank side. <laughs> <laughs> the notes from page one, so I can still read the notes on page two. See, I'm actually thinking. There you go. And here we go. So, okay. So, you know, you got new players in your area and some maybe some seasoned players in your area or whatever, and you decide you want to have your one-day tournament, okay? So... I'm 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 guessing that the first thing you got to decide is what type of tournament you kind of want to run, or what type you think people are going to want to go to, or like what's your what's what, I mean I know what I want to run. I'm because I'm running a bits primer, which actually makes it way easier for me because I'm just running a tournament based on what you're doing. So right, right, that, that cuts out a lot of the 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 um, difficult part for me. Yeah, um, and that's actually the like when people have asked me, it's like I want to run a tournament. What do I do? Because um, I've had this conversation before with a lot of people. Um, the big thing that I ask first is, why are you running a tournament? Because um, if you don't have, like, I've met people that have said, oh, man, why can't you just do this for money? I'm like, I don't want to do that for money. The reason I want to do this is to get all of my friends together to play some games and hang out and see everybody I don't get to see all the time. Um so that's the reason that I do it. Um, there are some people that I've met that do run it for money. Um, like there's some profit that you suppose you could be made, but I don't see it. Um, so <laughs> for me, it's just making sure that you're doing it for um, whatever reason. Make sure you understand why you're doing it um, and then take it from there. Um, and then with regards to like the type of tournament, you could do... A narrative event, you can do that a lot more now with Age of Sigmar um, compared to other editions of the game that we've had. Yeah. Um, or you can do a competitive event uh, similar to like a Bits or a South Coast or even an Adepticon. Um, so it's just a matter of 
why you want to do it. Um, and then to figure out what you're going to do. So uh, that's something that you really have to make that decision. And this, all the stuff that we're going to be talking about isn't just AOS specific. This could be used for Kings of War. This could be used for Ninth Age or Malifaux or whatever. Okay. It's just running an event is very similar across the spectrum. It's just, you know, like there's game specifics, obviously. Well, um, yeah. So I just want to make sure we clarify that. Um, so I've been, um, and the reason that I got into it, obviously we've talked about, um, and then this was like seventh edition. And I learned um, from one of my very good friends, uh, Marty Gaska. Um, he was the gentleman that was running Adepticon prior to me taking over. Okay. Um, and he did it for a number of years um, and I helped him and I learned how to do it through him. And so that's kind of where I got started. Um, and my first tournament that I ran was like 30 people, um, which I didn't know. I mean, I was running a stupid little one day event out of the bunker um, when it was still in business, but that was, and it was 30 an, people. That was, thir- yeah. First core comp was about 30 people. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I know you're looking at about what? 10, 12. Yeah, that well, that yeah, UGG's that yeah, that's that twelve would be the max. I think they could fit really. Yeah, um, but and that's fine. It's just a matter of this is the spots we have, and we'll take sign up till we're full, and yep. then you start an alternate list. It's nothing uh, super hard um, to figure that out. Um, and then there's a lot of things you have to look into, um, like your venue. Um, what you can reasonably hold. So like UGG, like 10, 12 tops, probably okay. be the push. Um, and then like the cost of entry into a lot of tournaments just depends on your venue. Um, and for a lot of people, like there are a lot of people that say, oh, I want to start with a two day event. And it's like, no, just start with a one day and see if you really like it. Um, <laughs> Cause there's nothing I've seen and heard horror stories of people trying to start a two day event and they get into it day one and they just, I I would dare say they poop themselves and realize, Oh, this is not what I want to do. And then you're committed for the whole weekend. Right. Um, so guys, first, first recommendation, start small. This is okay. One days are just fine. Um, so like you have to look at the cost that you have as a TO, um, like, are you purchasing terrain? Are you renting tables? And just kind of get a ballpark of what you have to reasonably account for per play, or like, in just in general, to run your event with the amount of tables and the amount of people that you have space for. So figure out your reasonable cost just to run it. And that'll kind of guide you where you want to go. And then you look at price support. Um, I'll say this about a lot of the guys that have come over um, to the AOS scene Um, in general. We don't care that much about the toy soldiers. Like we're going to buy what we want to buy because chances are we may not get what we want at a tournament. Um, (laughs) So we're more concerned just about going, having a good time and getting the recognition saying, Hey, I won this. Yay me. Um, So realistically price support. Well, it's cool. It's not, I don't see it as that big of a deal. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be more okay with the recognition and the experience than, oh, cool, I got this awesome new model that I 
have no interest in playing with. Okay, so, so two questions come up. Go. Then um, what kind of prizes do you do for a one-day event? Because you want to give some sort of prize for your, you know, if you're going to do something, you know, at least forever who comes up and wins a thing, you're going to give them something. Sure. So if you're not giving random prizes, um, uh, I mean, would a gift certificate to the store you're holding it in be inappropriate then? I mean, so then they can pick anything they want. So it's not like, well, you get, you know, here this, you can have anything up to this. Yeah, that would definitely be an appropriate place to start. Um, or, you know, I know like, I know uh, Adepticon went to those really nice medals, but I mean, you don't want to give you know, you know medals for a one day event necessarily. Um, although, I mean, you could, I know, I mean... Definitely, I was getting tons of medals for all sorts of stuff. But I'm just saying, for your little event, what I mean, what would you do for a one day, or like just certificates, or what would you do? Yeah, certificates in a nice little frame. Um, cheap as chips, uh, doesn't cost a lot. You can print them on site um, if you want to get like their actual name on it, or if you want to have them generic, ready to go. Um, the frames don't cost you nothing, and you can get a bunch of them from like Walmart or wherever, um, and you print it out on some. Nice paper, like maybe some either cardstock or interview paper, or something that's a little thicker than just uh, normal printer paper. Um, and then, you know what? If you're at a venue, definitely give like a store or something. Definitely go for the gift card because um, then you're putting money into the store as a way of saying, you know what? You're giving us these tables. You're giving us, you know, this space to run at your business. Let's put money into our local stores, which is just fine. I can't imagine there would be a single person that would complain about getting handed a gift card. Um, so, and then it's just a matter of what awards do you want to give out, and then how much then overhead do you have to charge per entry. Um, so, if you want to give first place, let's say twenty five bucks or something, it's then okay. How much does that have to trickle out, and then do I want to do other awards? whether it's a sports award or just even the top three and probably just the top three would be a sufficient way to go. Um, and then you just charge a little extra over to cover that in your cost for printing and call it a life. Hmm. That just seems awful simple. What's wrong with that? Well, I just like, I don't know. I thought there would be more to it than that. It's, I mean, you can do trophies if you wanted to. Um, but you also have to realistically look at your event and say, you know what? I can get 10, maybe 12 people. How much do I feel comfortable asking them to pay at a one day event where right. and only that's the X percentage of them will walk away with something? Right. And that's what I'm, I mean, it, I know, I know for the size of the place I'm doing, I was thinking certificates too. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's a ten to twelve person event. I my first event that I'm running is is going to be something that's very manageable. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and like I said, UGG is a small place. It's our little local store, but it's not. You know, we there's there isn't room for more than that with the with this with the size of our tables. You know, if you had smaller tables, you could do more people probably. Yeah, or um, if you had a bigger event or bigger venue, if like you're running out a. VFW oh, or right. some sort yeah. of event. I'm just hall, saying we're then... just doing it right at UGG because we want to bring in, we want to get the local people who are around who know the place, that, uh, you know, the, over there, just trying to get the local, you know, because we're getting some of the newer players who don't all know each other. So, but they're all at that, they're all they're all at UGG at different times. So we're just trying to, you know, draw them all together too. Yeah. So if you're looking for just locals, um, 
I mean, if you're going to set a dollar value, it's just how much do you need to pay the venue to use their space? I mean, obviously, we want to go to specifics. Right. Um, and then how much do you want to give away and other costs that you have to cover? Um, so that's the only thing you really have to look at is far as like a charge. Um, huh. So if your prizes are going to be certificates, those cost X many dollars per certificate. And obviously, you know, you get the frame or you get a portfolio or whatever, just cost that out real quick and then say, okay, everybody, this is what you owe me. Um, and obviously advertise it. So say they know how much they have to pay. If you want to include lunch um, or some sort of food or anything like that, then do you have that be an option that they can go in on food? Or do you say, you know what, we're going to charge maybe a few dollars more than what I was thinking, but you get lunch included and we all have lunch together. So it's just a matter of what you want to do and figure out what it would reasonably cost to do it. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's simpler. It's doing this like the first time. It's just a matter of like putting the pieces together. And then it's really not that much different than planning any other event. Um, So if you've put together like a school function for your kids or anything like that, you're halfway home. Which seems really weird. <laughs> that it's um, the build up to the event itself is where you're going to see a lot of logistical stuff with regards to costs and space and advertising. Um, if you're doing something local, I mean, obviously you can reach out to local community sources like podcasts or forums and say, "Hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. It I'm doing it this, this, and day. This is what the rules are going to be." You know. There's how you sign up, come on out and have a great time. It doesn't have to be super complicated. You don't have to do like web blasts or anything like that. It's just a matter of, you can even just, you know, text target your friends and say, hey, I'm running a tournament at UGG. I would really love to come out and see you play. You know, just something that simple. Okay, cool. So um, obviously you're going to be following the South Coast GT rules pack. Um, you've done a few, have you done a few adjustments to the pack or have you? Um, are you the leaving? only adjustments that we've made are regarding the legacy stuff. Um, okay. So I just don't want to, the big reason that we did that just as a general thing with the comp, um, I don't want to stop people from taking legacy armies. Um, myself being a Tomb Kings player. Um, and just, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know what's going on with the game right now. Um, but by the same token, I have a real obligation to provide a good compact to my participants. And I've not played against it, but the math hammer against three hell cannons is probably the single worst thing I've ever done. Um, (laughs) So I don't want to create an environment where something like that can ruin um, somebody's experience. So that was part of the reason I went with that kind of easy breakdown because it allows those legacy armies, but then prevents some of the, uh, the cheddar abuses. makes it worse. So, right, I got you. Um, but it's just a matter of you pick a system that you like. If it's SDK, if it's KVC or whatever, a points-based system or a pool-based system, whether it's Clash or South Coast or a Zircomp or whatever you want to do, pick one that you like and that you feel comfortable using and then go from there. All right, next question. Yeah. Um. 
Reading the South Coast GT rules pack. Now, these may sound like stupid questions, but I'm just trying to ask questions no, no. that anyone who's going to be doing this for the first time may think about, okay? Absolutely. Um, because I wasn't really thinking about this till now because I know we've got some local players who are coming in um, and they've, they've been playing, you know, in their, in their basements and stuff like that or they've been playing with certain people with, they have maybe haven't been playing with tournaments or with comp packs. So they come in and they say, "Okay, it's going to be on this date, and they're going to, you know, they're going to use the South." Co- and so, um, I'm going to have the rules pack. I'll obviously get the the files and and put them up on our website as well. And there, and you know, I'll have the links to the stuff on Heel and Hammer as well because they have all that stuff. Obviously, um, do you leave copies of those things at the store for people who sign up if they need copies of it? I mean, I. I does that make sense? I mean, does that sound stupid or? No, because you want people that if they're going to be coming into a store environment where they can talk to the guy behind the counter and if they have questions about the event, they can hand them something and say, okay, this is what's going on. Either as a flyer where it's like, here's a link to all the rules. But then the problem is, are they going to look at them when they get home? Or are they just going to trash the flyer or mm-hmm. something like that? Um, well, I give them the flyer if they. I mean, as long as they have the option to look at them, you know. But I'm just saying, if you want to sign up and then they say, "Well, there's a rules pack," okay. Well, how do I get it? Um, that's you know. I'm just thinking at least you know making sure that they have the options, the little flyer with a link, or maybe just you know a, a, a store copy or making some extra copies for the people. You know, you sign up and you yeah, pay. a store copy and having a couple floating copies the actual day of the event. Um, just because not everyone has a smartphone. Um, or some sort of tablet where they can get to the website immediately. So having some text copies is always a good idea, but it's not something I would certainly consider a requirement. Um, but having one at the store for someone to walk in and say, "Hey, you know, I'm not familiar with this. Can I take a look at it?" You know, then that's not the worst idea. Okie doke. Uh, let's see. Get the terrain, the people. Oh, uh-huh. we didn't even talk about terrain. Yeah, let's talk about terrain then. <laughs> um. For the last couple of years, I've been kind of spoiled um, using the Adapticon supplied terrain. Um, but not everyone has that luxury. So let's start at the bottom. If you have a store or a local community that has terrain, um, reach out to them and say, you know what, I'd love to run a tournament. Um, I'd like to use your terrain. You know, I'd kind of like to know what you have, this, that, and the other thing. And just making that arrangement with them. Um, obviously, you say, you know what, I know it's kind of a deal if i don't return it in the best condition or if i damage it or whatever um then obviously you need to fix it if you have to make your own from scratch then you also have to factor that into your cost but if you're starting something simple like at a store or you know out of your collection of terrain then that's a little easier so it's just a matter of figuring out what you have um, and how many tables you're going to be putting it on um with age of sigmar i mean we obviously prefer and I think the game plays better to a higher number of pieces of terrain per table. Um, so like at Adepticon, we had, I think the smallest table had six pieces of terrain, but they were big pieces. Um, and then the one with the most was like 12 to 14. Um, so right. kind of all over the place. Yeah, no, you, you want a definitely a good amount of terrain. I generally play with anywhere from 8 to 12 pieces, depending on the size. Yeah. When we're playing. So, and again, um, with regards to this, you're going to be looking at, to run the event that you would want to play in. Um, 
don't just run an event if you're not super sold on a pack or something. It's run the event you want to play in because that's what you're going to be excited about. And that excitement will carry over to your participants. So that's where you want to go with it. Um, so that's kind of what I would recommend with regards to like comp and tables. It's just if you were walking in as a player, what would you want your experience to be? And that's what you should shoot for. I would um, not as a person with any actual tournament running experience, but as a person with some tournament going experience. Yeah. Um, I would say if you're, if you're not, if you don't have a lot of experience with writing scenarios or writing, um, you know, these things, um, if it's your first time running a tournament, maybe not the be the right time to decide that you're going to write a bunch of scenarios out for your for your one day event. I mean, if it's a narrative event, everyone's there just to ha- kind of have a good time. That's one mm-hmm. thing. But sometimes, you know, I've I've been to things where it's like, oh, these we're you know, this sounds like a really cool idea, and it's a cool idea, except it's way unbalanced in someone's favor right, right. off the bat. Um. I mean that that happens. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> Let's not oh, yeah. do, you know, so uh Yeah, it's um if you're gonna write your own scenarios, um in okay, so if you're gonna do like we've talked about a primer event, the scenarios will probably be done by the time you're looking to do it. Contact the organizer that's gonna do it and say, you know, hi, my name is Dave. I wanna run a bits primer at UGG this season day. Um, do you have some snares that we could try or anything like that? Um, and then you would really say, like, sure, Dave, I've got some for you. Don't worry. I'll give them to you after the show. And I say, thank you. Yeah. I'm actually planning on that soon. Excellent. Um, so it's one of those things where it's, well, most it's like TOs, I see it and it happens. Yeah. Wish I had a million dollars. I got nothing for you. Channel. Oh, just wait, wait. Nope. Nothing's happening. No, but most of us that run events are definitely game for people trying scenarios and seeing what's work and what doesn't work. Because, I mean, even for Adepticon, I know there were some things that I didn't catch. Um, The quadruple move Setra Chariot trick. I completely spaced on that. I didn't (laughs) even realize that thing existed. Uh, So that was... (laughs) But that's the thing. It's just you don't... You're not going to think of every little thing. Well, and that was the thing. That's why when that happened to me, because seriously, that game, if he won the dice roll to go first and then he rolled a four or better, he won. Right. And it was like, okay. And that was cool. And it was like, and it happened. And I realized, okay, but you had to have that exact army with that combo and have a clean shot. And it was because of where it had to be, but there was no other terrain in the middle. You know, like had I rolled a really low number and that mm-hmm. thing had been moved over and there had been a building in between the two that he couldn't have run through, then this scenario doesn't happen. It's just, it was, a, you know, it was, mine was, I, I, nobody else had that happen. I mean, you know what happened. You listened to the show. You were there. Um, I don't think that happened to anybody else, did it? No. No. I mean, I just, I caught the fluke. It was just, and those ty- and those types of things happen. It was just the type of stuff that used to piss me off is when people would write their little scenarios and they'd be like, oh, there's fog. So anyone who's got shooting loses a lot of your shooting. So if you had an army that just pretty much gave up all its magic and, you know, and did shooting, that army screwed. 
or if you have the all like super magic charged army, magic's gone haywire. Some of your rolls do great stuff, and other rolls come by and smash your whole army in the face. Uh, yeah. yeah, I used to love those. And it, you know, um, it's, it's fun if you're hanging out. Like if you're hanging out at my house, I'll play that. You know, mm-hmm. like when like when you're over here and Harrison's rolling dice here and I'm like this 12 right here and boom, we hit the 12 and people are screaming and stuff goes wonky and it's just like, that's cool. But I know when you pay money to go there and suddenly it's like some random dice roll completely turn your game upside down. People get pissy. <laughs> they really do. Well, I mean, and that's not, and that's, I'm not pointing at you. No, no. I mean, every tournament I was at in seventh edition ran those scenarios because it had to be like that. Yeah, I mean those were those were the things that worked for that edition, but Correct. it was also they worked. But the there were certain it was like okay, it was okay. Well, just don't bring certain armies to tournaments because you know if you want to win because you know these if you want to be competitive these scenarios are going to come up and these armies these three or four armies are going to get screwed because of those scenarios. So don't bring them if you're serious. It we had to do that to encourage balanced list play with oh yeah. AOS, we don't have that problem as much anymore because everything is good. Well, so, and you can and you can balance it out with the scenarios, and you can balance it out with the objectives, and yeah. So I mean, hell, have, look at me. Oh yeah, I won one game last weekend, and I drew on two, and I came in uh, what fifth, fifth, yeah. Behind Jojo the Jackhole. That <laughs> jackhole, that guy. I swear that guy. Adore. But that's the thing. It's just a matter of figuring out how you want to do your scoring. And primers are a great way to start. The main TO has solved that problem for you. So, okay, you don't have to worry about that. The scenarios, if you want to write your own, you have to make it, I think, just like in AOS, this is me speaking specifically, don't make the game about killing the other guy, and that is the only objective is to kill the other guy, unless that's what you guy, what your community really likes, is just pushing dice and models in the middle. Pushing and dice, going rolling models, it. and that's what's going to happen. Seriously, if you play that, though, that's what happened that first week when people were calling me up and being like, I had one person in particular call me, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to you know, call people out, but it was just like, you know, the, the better way to play this game is just to say one, two, three, go and just shove all your models in the middle and shove them up against the other guy's models. And whoever has his models all broken first, he wins because he doesn't have to play anymore. And I was like, wow, you know, because it's just because if you're just playing battle, line, <laughs> straight battle line, kill everybody. That's what you know, that's you wind up with a mess. Yeah. And if that's what your community likes, OK, rock on. Um, but if you're going to be looking to do like a little more of a competitive environment, not super competitive, um, then you need to make the game mean something. You need to tell the story. Um, the battle plans that have come out in the big books will look at it, and if you read all of them, the win condition is don't use the win conditions in the AOS rules. This is the win condition for this scenario. It's that kind of stuff that will make the difference because you're only going to tell the narrative of the game in the scenario. I love that every single one of them says, don't use the rules. In the rule I mean, the <laughs> rules are great if you're going to do a pickup game and you know their intention is you know what, no comp, no problem, whatever. Just play until stuff's dead or you, he- you hit one of these conditions. Okay, you know what, that's great. Not everyone wants to play that way. And sometimes it's good to play that way. I honestly way. look at those as the learning the rules rules. Sure. Because, yeah, I'll go with that. You know what I'm saying? 
because you yeah. play that, and yeah, they're the rules, and you still have those four pages in front of you in case you're, in, you know, want to make sure you don't make a mistake or if someone has a question. But for the most part, once you learn the rules, you skip half of those. It's like right. this is all the stuff that we threw in here just to get you by in a game without giving you any of the complications of battle plans and uh, you know what, what do they call it where they list it with time of war. Yeah. You know, no, no, but, yeah, none of that. No battalion. Just here. Just take this. Here you go. Yeah, and just run. But as soon as you get into those battle plans, the game changes. Because now here is your story that you are telling. And in a competitive environment, you can still do that. Whether it's completing objectives, getting model A to point B, or doing stuff like that. If you make it just about killing stuff, that stuff will grind out and... I don't find that particular part of the main rule super interesting. Like the biggest thing to this game is the movement capability and actually like being able to do things and interact with terrain, which we've never been able to do before. Oh yeah. Um, but now it's just a matter of, okay, make it this way. It's not just about killing stuff. Tell your story for what your armies have to do. I mean, if you want to throw in an attacker-defender scenario, a lot of people, when I said that I was going to do an attacker-defender at Adepticon, they looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? That does not work well in a competitive play environment. And that is one of the scenarios that everyone has come back to me and said, dude, that was awesome. It's like, really? Really? Okay. Which one was that? that The messenger. Oh, the messenger. One more wound, son of a... Yeah. Makes me so angry. But that's the thing. You're going to have that story from that yep. scenario of it was I got crazy. that close. Two up save, ignoring Rend. Oh, okay. I get what this is. Yeah. But that's the thing. You're going to have that. You're going to forge that narrative through the scenario and just mix it up. Don't be afraid to try new things. But if you're going to try something new, you play test the ever-living daylights out of it. And you make sure that it's not something that's going to be a problem. But if you're doing a little one dare, the battle plans out of the book do just fine for that. If you're going to do something simple and something narrative, if you want to do something more competitive, reach out to the guys. They will have scenarios for you. And, I mean, as a TO, I don't stop writing scenarios just because I'm not running an event. Because when I have an idea for a scenario, I write it down. And then it goes into a little file on my computer and it's like, okay, this might be something. Let's explore it, maybe at a later date. But I'll always have something. So it's just a matter of what kind of event you want to do. Primers are a great way to start. Don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel running a tournament. Um, you're not going to be you know, the greatest TO your first time out. And that's to be expected. I mean, Dave may be the exception. Who knows? <laughs> but no, um, no, he ain't. Whatever. Um, but it's just a matter of don't make it so hard on yourself that you yourself are not going to have a good time. Cause if you go into the event and you've got the sourpuss face thinking, oh man, I didn't get this done. Oh man, I didn't get that. It's not perfect. It's not exactly what I want. Your players are going to see that. And that's not a good time. Oh, that's true. So do the absolute best you can keep it simple and start there. Um, so that's like, I don't know, I think that's like the philosophical 
portion of it and kind of the overall arcing thing, there's a lot of specifics that go into um, a tournament. Um, Don't forget tournament. player packs. You'll need your player packs. That was one of them. What um, about a ringer? You're gonna have a, on a small game like this with ten to twelve people. If you're running it, do you do you bring an army and play the ringer, or do you fi- try to find someone to play a ringer, or do you give people a buy if there's only this many people playing? Um, I go at it like this situation had happened at Adepticon. Um, no, Adepticon we had about forty players, but on day two, game five, I had a drop, and I always carry a ringer. I had the goblins ready to go to play ringer. Um, and I had one of the other guys that was near the bottom of the tables, because it was a guy at the bottom that had dropped. Um, he said, you know what, if it's easier for you guys, you can just give me the buy. Um, and you don't have to worry about playing a ringer. And I'm like, okay, do you want to play your fifth game? And he said, what? Do you want to play your fifth game? Do you want to play all the games that you paid for and flew halfway across the country to play? Well, yeah, but if it's easier for you no. No, you get to play the games that you paid for. Um, I personally recommend if you're going to be a TO, have it be a two-man job. Um, And we'll get to the specifics on that in a minute. Um, But just to say, if you need to have someone step up and be a ringer and go and play that game, so so all of your players get the same experience, then that's what you have to do. So I would definitely recommend carrying a ringer and... If you're going to look at a book, because um, we've all had Ringer Gates, and I'm sure we've talked about it, Chris, <laughs> you. Um, it looks fluffy. It looks I so I put a special character fluffy. in it. Oh, my that, God. Or, that orc army was badass. And it's so funny because Chris is like, I lose with it all the time when I play it. Everybody else who plays that army is like, whomp, 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 whomp. <laughs> no, that, that's not how you're supposed to do it. Uh, Chris definitely rolled a one on that one. Um, but that's the thing. It's just you take the cool stuff, but you're, you're going to look at an army and you're going to see, oh, man, Manfred is really cool. He's really powerful. I should probably not take Manfred in the Ringer army, even if he's cool. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so it's just a matter of making it a fun army that's going to give somebody a game, but at the end of the day is going to lose. That is the ringer job It's to give somebody a game, but they're the ringer. I mean, that's just my mentality on it is that the ringer at least will get a draw just to, because if you think about it, you need to move that player up the rankings. Otherwise they're going to keep playing the ringer and that's not good. (laughs) Cause I mean, come on, punk beat me. Come on, beat me once. I'm the ringer. If you can't beat me, go home. Yeah, I lost no. to the ringer. Grant Grant effed me up at Adepticon in 22 minutes. I'll never yeah. forgive him for that. That's the point. Um, <laughs> so he, I, I don't personally... think he meant to. It's just that's how it happened. It just, wow. That, Sometimes uh, the dice will do that to you. Even the best designed <laughs> ringers will uh, overachieve. I got um, rolled by those ogres. That was, when the, that was the point when I just couldn't face ogres. I just yeah. got stomped every time I looked at them. Yeah, they're they're a tough. They're a bad ringer army too. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, um, now they are. Yeah, well, I mean they were rough before. Now they're now they're a little double rough. Um, but point is, it's just you take the cool stuff that is legit, just cool to look at, 
stuff that's not like take a lot of take a lot of liberators. Don't take yeah, libbies are don't good. Take your, don't take your your teleporting the teleport banner, banner is probably your, not a good idea. And your yeah. prime and yeah, it's just take the stuff that's cool that's thematic to the army, um, but don't go crazy cakes with it. Yeah. Um. So I would personally bring a ringer. Um. But if you feasibly cannot do it, then you just have to explain to your opponent, to your players. I don't have a ringer on site. I don't have the staff for it. So if we have odd numbers, then that player will be offered a buy. Um. So just make sure to let your players know what the situation is beforehand. Because if someone does end up getting that by game one, it then becomes, okay, what do we do? Could we do a small game that I can still be the TO and answer questions, but we're not committing to a full-size game or something like that? So it's right. making sure to take the time to interact with that player and say, you know, what what would you like to do? Because I can't feasibly be the ringer right now and answer rules questions. Um, gotcha. So that's kind of where... There's the benefit to the two-man system, um, but it's neither here nor there. Um, so Ringer is cool. Um, player packs definitely provide those. Um, when I did Adepticon this year, I hadn't run a tournament since Adepticon 2015. Okay. Except for like little small one-dayers um, in my local metro. I hadn't run a single large-scale tournament like that in, over, in almost a year. And that's part of why going into it, I was so Debbie Downer about everything because I was really worried that I was going to get there and suddenly forget how to do my job. <laughs> um, so it's um, I had a player that I had been interacting with on Facebook, and he asked me, do I need to bring a copy of the player pack or will you guys provide it? And in my head, it's like, I will automatically provide that to you. I don't know why you're asking me this question. But that's one of those things. We have so many new players that they don't know how this game is played. Right. Like with regards to like a tournament. So it's like, no, no, I provide you with the player packs. Don't worry about it. All you need to bring is your army, your list and yourself and your dice and the set and the other thing. So don't worry about the packs. We will provide that. Cause that's crazy for you to have to print out a, packet so, so you could come in and all that but that's stuff that a lot of people may not be familiar with so it's just being prepared for those kind of obvious questions that may come up so um gotcha. but definitely provide your own player packs provide your own score sheets um and then i personally recommend the uh, result sheet from game one is the last page of your packet and then you rip off backwards um if you've been to any of my tournaments or any of the other major tournaments that get run, that's how we all do them. Um, so this way it's easy, it doesn't rip up your pack, um, and you don't lose pages that way. So just a simple little structure of the player pack like that, and make sure to explain to your players this is how it's put together. Um, but if you're doing a one-day event at your local store where you may not have an, a heavy emphasis on like sportsmanship results or anything like that, you can just hand a slip to the table just have each player write their score and move on. I see. So it just depends where you're putting your scoring emphasis. If you're just having it be the top three players, get stuff, and you're just going to go by straight battle, um, and then everyone gets a generic sports score or something or a generic paint score or whatever, if you're even going to count paint, 
Um, not sure what exactly you guys are, what you're planning for the UGG. Um, if you guys are going to do the full bits pack, like how we're doing it, but then you have to change the numbers because you're only going to play three games instead of five. See, exactly. That's why I'm not certain what we should do yet. That's what I was going to talk with you about after we were done on the air here. So, Okay. So it's just a matter of looking at the numbers, seeing what works. Um, and realistically, if you're only expecting like five or six games to go on at a time, you may not need to provide full-on player packs. Just have it be, you know, two copies of the scenario per table. You can just hand that out when you get started for that game. And one half-sheet result sheets that people can write their scores on, and that's it. Doesn't need to be anything more complicated. Ooh, very nice. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I think we covered everything that I had questions about. Okay, um, and then just some general hints and tips that I want to go over. Okay, um, because this is going to be like you know that valuable TO knowledge that I didn't get that I think a lot of people would want to know. Um, so the big thing that I want to emphasize is that something will go wrong. Nothing will be perfect. And chances are the one that's going to commit the biggest screw up is you as the TO. So just be prepared for that because something's going to go wrong. Not everything is perfect. And chances are you're probably going to be the one to screw it up. So then it's, Okay, I've made a mistake. How do I fix it? And take it from there. But if you go in expecting that everything will be perfect, that can lead to even bigger mistakes. So just prepare, you know, expect, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So don't dope. go in like don't go in cocky or anything like that. <laughs> okay. Um Take advice with a grain of salt. Like if you're going to be asking your local Metro for what kind of event that they want and what you should do, they're going to tell you what they want to do. That may not be what you want to do. Um, with regards to like changes to be made, they may say things that benefit their army or something like that. But you are obviously trying to get people to come. So take the advice you get with a grain of salt. Um, and just know who you're talking to. If somebody says, oh man, you should do this, this, and this, this way, you know, we can really get to the point of the game. And it's like, okay, so what are you playing? Bloodbound. Okay, cool. Um, so just be prepared for that. Um, you will feel like you're missing out as you run a tournament because what you're, and this has just been my experience is I walk around and I get to see all of my friends playing a game that we all love and I'm not playing <laughs> and that's, it's going to happen and that's okay. It's perfectly normal. You just have to roll with it and understand that you are the facilitator of their fun. And the reward is when you get to see everyone having fun and that you've done that, you've put it together. That's the payoff. So it's just a completely it's a different mindset that you have to say, well, man, I'm not, you know, I'm going to spend a whole day on a Saturday and I'm not going to be rolling dice. I'm just going to be watching. I mean, that's awful. No, it's really not. I'm kind of excited actually. Like I'm yeah. kind of excited to see what happens and how many people are signed up and who turns up and kind of walking around and checking out all the different games and see what's going on. And I'm excited. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it just depends a lot of time on your personality, like how, 
things go. If you are a loud and out there, you know, very brash personality where you can keep people excited throughout the game, even if it's, you know, like things aren't going so super smooth, that's a good thing. But don't feel like you have to interject in every game. Let the games take their course. If people screw up, you know, jump in when offered, when asked, but don't feel like you have to be on the spot for every little rules mistake. Um, if you're at a venue, take care of the people that are taking care of you. Um, when Carrie and I run an event, like this last couple of years that we've done Screw City, when we've had a bartender in the room, the first thing that we do is we walk over to the bartender, introduce ourselves, and hand them a 20 and say, thank you for taking care of us. <laughs> and it's just to break the ice like that and just to make sure that the people taking care of you are taken care of. That helps because if your bartender or whoever is a mope, no one's going to want to go over there and no one's going to want to buy drinks, which is the whole reason you have it there in the first place. So it's just a matter of you take care of the people that are going to be taking care of you throughout the day. So like if you're going to run a tournament at a local game store, definitely swing the price support their way and say, you know what, how about we just have it either come from your store like we purchased it from your store or have it be in a form of a gift card. It's this way they're taking care of you. You take care of them. That's just kind of common courtesy, but that kind of gets lost sometimes. Um, let's see. Know what you're good at and hire out when needed. If you are not a hundred percent sure on how to write good scenarios, reach out. If you're not a hundred percent good on putting train together, or at least to the confident point that you want to be talk to somebody else about either, Borrowing terrain or having it made. Um, and then, let's see. And then rules calls make do the best call that you can, but you have to do that for sake of time because you are going to be on a time limit. Because um, not everyone is going to be okay to say, you know what, let's just play all games out to their natural conclusion, even if it takes four or five hours a game. Okay. Stores are not going to cooperate with that. So most of these times you're going to be running on a time limit and you want players to get the most time gaming and the least amount of time rules judging. Got you. So do the best you can, but move with interest of speed. Um, And once it's made, it's made, even if it's wrong. And even if it's wrong, you stick with it throughout the entire event. All right. Sounds good. It's a lot to take in. Um, And if anybody has questions, um, I mean, feel free to contact me. I just outed myself on Twitter. Um, so I'm at some kind of geek 30 um, on Twitter. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm more than happy to help anybody that has a question about a tournament or an event that they're looking to run. Some kind of geek 30? Some kind of geek 30. So K-I-N-D-A? Yes, sir. Okay. Got you. So if anyone has questions, please let me know. Um I'm definitely happy to help wherever I can. All right, cool. So you can find him at some kind of geek 30 and uh, I'm here. So uh, let's take a break. Last break. And then after that, what we will do is um, we'll come back. I want to ask you a couple of things about some, some new stuff that just popped up on the GW's Facebook page. And then we'll wrap up the show. So we'll be right back, folks. Cool.
Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm. It doesn't separate from the base. They custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. And we are back. Yes, we are. So, um, now the FAQ, well, I don't know if by the time people are listening to this, it might be official, but so on the Warhammer Age of Sigmar Facebook page from Games Workshop. Which is awesome. Yeah, I'm really liking it. Throw that out there. Yeah, you know, I mean, granted they put up, you know, hey, be positive and don't put links up for non-games workshop sites, which I get, even though there are a lot of cool other things there, I get what they're doing, whatever. Sure. Um, but man, I mean, like, they, just, hey, what are your questions? And now they've got, like, all these questions. They got this Q&A. Now, it, it did say when it first posted, um, you know, we're going to leave it up here all weekend for you, if you have any questions or concerns about the rulings, and then we're going to give that stuff back to the team before they make it official. So I thought that was kind of cool. That before the official uh, FAQ comes out, here's the FAQ that we're going to put out. How's it look? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you get, you get catching any huge glaring errors? Because we don't want to hear it later. <laughs> I think the bacon sandwich was definitely the, uh, definitely like the star of that question, of that whole thing. Um, I liked that. I know, and I know what brown sauce is because I have some in my pantry. Okay, so that's that makes me happy. Uh, are the effects of multiple duplicate spells and abilities stackable? Yes, unless specifically stated otherwise. So, do you think tournaments are just going to still say that ones are just a miss? I think, just as a general principle, um, with GW and with every game, well, almost every game. Um, we always played ones are a failure. You have to have a possibility of a failure. Um, otherwise, you can then thusly engineer it. So this way, there is no chance of failure. And I don't think that particularly creates a positive environment if you make something that literally cannot die or will never not kill you. Um, I don't think it's a particularly positive thing. Um, and then just as a general... It just seems... Okay, here's the thing. 
it seems like it's so easily abusable and so easily breakable. But something in the back of my head says, I remember when 8th edition came out and we all thought that the miscast chart was totally broken and going to destroy the game. Uh, I mm-hmm. also remember when Age of Sigmar came out and just the idea of cer- how certain things worked didn't seem to work at all and we couldn't quite wrap our head around how these different things and these different ideas worked. And I'm wondering if... it. I mean, honestly, to me, it seems like, no, one should probably fail, Like, especially if you're playing competitively because it's right. so abusable. And somewhere in the back of my head, it just keeps asking me, is that just a holdover from 8th, though? Like, are you just... Holding over, like, should we play some games that way and make sure that it's a problem before we know if it's a problem? And I suppose you could theory hammer out and say, look, look how easily it could become a problem. You just take a bunch of wizards who can all cast that spell and you cast Mm -hmm. a a guy down to a negative three. Right. So that way, even with rend three, he's still at a zero and he's passed it no matter what. And it's like, okay, yeah, I can see that that's just, that's dumb. Yeah. And I think the other thing that really got me out of that pack was Archeon is too big to reach because he only has a one-inch reach on his melee weapons, and his base is too big. What do I do? Oh, no, you just put the models on his base. Okay, no, that's... Okay, no, no, no. no. Dude, I spent too much time working on these damn things to pile them up on each other. We were making fun of them when this first came out with that whole idea of just pile them up, like... No, they no. couldn't possibly mean that. And I've sat here and defended them and said, you know what? It's because they don't want to force people to change the base sizes that they say you can use any base and the base doesn't matter. Now, they did go out and say that, you know what? But pivoting the base, you know, pivoting the model and not actually moving the base, just pivoting it, if that causes, you know, the some part of the model to become closer, does that count as movement? And they're like, well, yes. If 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 that causes you you know if you move five inches and then you pivot and that causes you to have actually moved ten inches then you're cheating you know like it says yeah you know basically they're like no if it moved then that's movement even if it's just pivoting so I like that they threw it in there this is just a bad idea just go with it and be like not nah, okay dude you know and people that's that's the one comment that keeps coming up in the threads underneath that one it's just like come on guys just go with the bases. Go with yeah. the bases and say, look, we're not going to force you on the base sizes while we're still transitioning over and there's still stuff with square bases. Just be honest and be like, look, we you know, we don't want to make people change their base sizes so we can't put an official base size so we don't want people to abuse it. But going from the model, just nobody's doing that, which I guess is why you know, you can just it's, – it's really the FAQ. With, with a game like this – with the rules that are like this, it's this is like more like the list of the suggestions. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff like, especially with the measure from model. Um, all the guys with spears suddenly have much longer reach. Um, but it's like if you put together like even a box of protectors, the protector prime has his spear in the air. There's a couple of them that have their spears leveled. Well, that's, that's why I would think you would just say and not, a half. I would just think you would just say don't count the spears. Like, and I think you, but then I you're just, not measuring from the model. You're measuring from the base of it, but that's still a part of the model is their spear. Right. I guess you would just say what I'm, I don't know, the, you know, like they used to say before, don't count banner poles or wings. I would just say that before the game, you know, don't count the actual things that just stick way off that aren't actual part of the, part of the body of the thing. Oh, yeah. Because so, that would be crazy because honestly, if you count like that and they said that, you know, pivoting accounts is movement, 
So mm-hmm. if in order to fit it somewhere, I had to pivot it, that that then that uh, that spear that sticks out so far off the end of the model, if it's not pointing the exact same place, you have to measure where that thing winds up mm-hmm. to see how far you've moved. It's just a big pain in the ass. It's not a good idea. No. And, that's and, I, just, think... and I don't want to be a negative Nelly. It's just, no, no. I, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't see through this whole, oh, the base doesn't matter. Like, we understand why you did it. Just go ahead and make it to the base. Like, you know. Yeah. We all forgive you for your 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 cunning ruse. It didn't work. Go ahead and just go to the bases. Yeah, but there are some people that do play model to model and play, like, very verbatim by the rules. So, like, even as a TO, you are going to have to clarify that. Um, oh, right. Just to make sure. Um and then all these FAQs, you can use them. You don't have to use them. If you say specifically at the start of the game or at the start of the event, we are not going to use the GW FAQs, then that's fine. Or we are going to use these pieces of it just to make the game flow smoother um, and address specific things. But as long as you put it out there before the event, so this way your players know what they're walking into, that helps a lot. Yeah. I did learn something, and I actually learned it at Adepticon, and then it wound up in the FAQ, which I didn't realize at some point out to me, which was the whole, when you're charging, you just have to say, I'm charging, and roll mm-hmm. the dice. And yeah. And when you see how far you've run, or how far you've charged, then you can pick any unit that's within that range. Yeah. So, and like, if there's something that's 12 away, and you know you could possibly roll a 12 and get to it, but there's also something that's six away. You could just say, I'm charging, and if you don't hit the 12, you go, well, I'll charge those guys then, which I just kind of like. We're charging. If we got the imp- impetus, we'll get to them. But if not, we'll get those guys over there. Now, what they've also added is that if you roll and succeed, but you don't want to charge the thing that's in range, you don't have to charge it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's in there, too. Um, so, I don't know. For me, if you've got you know the boys going and it's time to go get something, if you're not going to get the thing that you're really wanting to go at, you should at least commit to something. Right. But that's just me. Again, otherwise, why are you even bothering to declare a direction on the charge? You're not doing that anymore. So you should realistically have to charge something, even if it's not your ideal charge. Um, but that's just me. And again, rule it how you want it before the event. Um, and all this stuff is agree with your opponent. I think that's something that we all have to get used to is that we have to just clarify some of this stuff with our opponents before we get started nowadays. Uh, well, and they did so, clarify the whole allocating wounds. It goes to one model till it's dead. Which is very fortunate. Um, and I think that's what they intended the whole time. And it's like, yes, that's what we meant. And so do it that way. And it just, it just makes it so much easier. It, it does. I mean, now, having, apparently, though. Go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just no, no. Um, but having played it, like how rules is written, where it's like, oh well, you just allocate from multiple different sources, and having used trolls, and then watching your opponent's face melt when they don't kill any trolls, and then suddenly the trolls are like, "Hi, what's up? We're back," and you didn't do anything to us. That doesn't feel good. So, <laughs> um. But it's just having had that clarified, that bad bit of writing um, makes a lot of difference. Yeah. Also, when you're setting up and deploying, okay, um, 
It says setup is typically when a unit is placed on the table during deployment, but can also refer to a unit being deployed in a location other than the battlefield, stuff like that. Uh, and then it says, how do you deploy units onto units in a battalion with special deployment rules? For example, wood elves, wanderer host. Mm-hmm. All units can be in a battalion can be set up as one deployment or individually. As you set up each unit, declare to your opponent if it is using any special deployment rules. So I heard this in at Adepticon, and I thought it sounded weird, and I guess it's it's right. So let's say you have units that set up off the board. Correct. You could literally, if you want to have your opponent start laying out his stuff so you could see where he's placing his stuff, mm-hmm. you could be like, okay, this unit of skink chameleons... They're going to be set up off the board, and then you just put them down off to the side and be like, "That's your, that's your." If you're doing alternating deployment, that can be a deployment. Mm-hmm. So you could just like not deploy it, and normally you deploy everything, and the stuff that deploys off the board or doesn't come on right away, that's just always left off to the side, and you deploy what you're going to actually deploy on the board, and then you're done. You know what I'm saying? Right, and this guy's like, "Oh no!" I, I, he did all of his off-board deployments first, causing his opponent to place like almost half his army before he put anything down. So he saw where everything that he wanted to see was going. Then he starts placing. I was like, "I never thought about that," and apparently that's that's legit. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, you don't get you don't get cover from hills anymore. Yeah, that's a. Uh Big deal. They are not um, considered to be scenery. They are considered to be part of the battlefield. It would have been nice to know that prior. Although what gets me is like if you're on the other side of the hill, should you get some sort of cover from that? Um, because technically they could line hit. of sight, then I would say, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, not cover from being on the hill, but from having it be intervening. I mean, you'd, yeah. Yeah. I would, but I would there's no so. cover for that because you have to be on the terrain, in the terrain to get cover. So it's just. Oh. Stuff like that. That. So if you're on the other, if, if you got, if you're on the other side of a building and most of the units hidden behind it, if they can just see anything, they get full. There's, there's no cover. There's no cover. Oh, okay. Because you have to be in the train feature. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was really interesting. Um, there was a few other things. Um, I'm trying to think of exactly what they were right now they actually defined like um with regards to like command abilities it's any auric within 12 inches of this model when it uses its command ability that includes the model itself oh yeah Um, it does yeah that's i like that so well it makes some characters like oh yeah that actually does make sense why archon would do that um so hey so then let me ask you a question let's go back to their new model that we just got here today or our new model that's just showed up in our uh our books with the with the uh, uh, the white dwarf, the Auric Mega Boss. Okay, the Wah rule when he calls the Wah. Uh, once, oh, his command ability. Oh, it doesn't say, huh? On this one, it doesn't say it's only usable once per game. Although the voice of Gork is only usable once per game, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's battle. but the wad doesn't say it's once per battle. Okay, so the mega boss uses the ability, not the one on the marker, just on foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, count up the number of iron jaws units within ten inches of them at the start of the combat phase of their turn and roll a dice. If the roll is less than or equal to the number of units, then this model and all models in those units 
make one extra attack with their melee weapons in that combat phase. If the roll is six or more and there are at least six Iron Jaws units within ten inches, then they get two extra attacks instead of one. Well, he's got the Iron Jaws rule, and he's a mm-hmm. unit within ten inches of himself. So it's actually five other units have to be within ten inches of him then to count as six. Theoretically, yes. All right. Well, there you go. See? Counts for one himself. Lindell should be looking at like individual characters. Um, so if you have him surrounded by a weird boy and a war chanter and then two units of brutes or something, there's your six. Oh, yeah, there you go. Or I three like units the, of brutes. The, the pile in question. Me- you know, pile ins are measured the same way as normal movement. You can't uh, move further than your pile in, it must mm-hmm. finish it closer to the nearest enemy model. Um, can a model? It's just, so you guys got to be closer to the to the nearest enemy model than when you started. So you've got to move in. Can you move around friendly units in order to reach the closest model? Yes, as long as you finish closer to the nearest enemy model, you can move around friendly models or obstacles. Uh, right. You can't break coherency. You still got to be within one inch of another model. Uh, you can't pile in if you're already in contact with another model you can't move around them once you're in base contact you can't get any closer by moving so you can't move so that's interesting Correct. um mm-hmm. you can move in if you're within three inches or you can pile in if you're within three inches but there's no line of sight yep um yeah let's see and uh what else? If your pile and move, oh, the, 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 if my unit's pile and move brings another, you know, a unit into pile and range, does that suddenly allow them to pile in on their turn? Well, yeah. Yeah. And that's something a lot of us have been playing uh, since the beginning, but you can understand where it would draw a question. Oh, no. I, yeah, I get it. When you told it to me, I didn't. The first time that happened to me was with you, and I was like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm within three inches. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was awesome though. That was yeah, too good. It looks good, but yeah, no, it's there's a lot of stuff, and it, it's definitely a positive sign that they're taking such interaction with the community, um, which is something that they've not done for a while. Because um, I mean, this game, you know, it's almost a year old, and this is our first crack we've had at an FAQ, um, which is. You know, I wish it would come out sooner, but you know what? At least they're taking the time to do it because at one point they stopped doing FAQs. Right. For 8th edition. Oh, the one other one that I wanted to ask, I was mentioning, um, was uh, the taking damage uh, one. Was that um, it happens after you do all the wounds and stuff like that. I was, Mm -hmm. yeah, so. It's not you don't uh, have it and then roll your D3s and stuff. You do your D3s and all that stuff and then have everything. All right, that's we've gone on way too long on that. I'm sorry. I was just I saw them. They popped up and I was just like, oh wow. And they there's lots of it. And you can make yeah. all the jokes you want. 14 pages of FAQs for four. It's not pages, 14 it's, pages. They broke it down into yeah, 14 I mean, some, sections. Yeah, some of them are one question, and a lot. It's not based on four pages of rules because a lot of it in there is about. I mean, there's a page for order, there's a section for for chaos, there's a section for destruction. So there's war scroll rules and things like that. If you start to add that up, damn, how many war scrolls are there between the four books now? I mean, there's about what 300 or so. 
Well, that's not even including the legacy stuff because there's a lot of that in there too. Yeah, so there's a ton. Yeah, and if you just count up the amount of war scrolls that there are, it's just a staggering amount. So for that much clarification, and it's not like an individual book document that's that long as an FAQ because for the Skaven book for the longest time it was like 13, 14 pages of FAQ Yeah, in very small print. Yeah. That wasn't including the main book FAQ or everything else. So it's proportional and it's not nearly that bad. Well, I'm liking it. So uh, I think that's good. I think we're done. How about you? I, uh, the only thing I would maybe want to plug, um, is just, uh, river city rumble. Uh, John Wiltsey is going to be running that. Um, I know I plugged on the voicemail. Um, so it's going to be the weekend before the UGG primer. Um, if you guys are looking to do it, he's doing more like an AOS experience day um, using the South Coast put together pack. Um, so like scenarios will be based like maybe like you may have a game that's a one on one and then the next game will be a two on one just based on the scenario. Got so you. we've got all that going on. Um, and that's at Just for Fun Games in Peoria, Illinois. Um, you can definitely find them on Facebook, uh, Quake City Rumble. Or not Quake City, River City Rumble. Um, and then obviously, uh, Bits, please come out to Bits. It's going to be an absolute riot. Um, yes, come out so, to Bits. Or if you can't, at least come out to my my small primer where there will be prime stuff. Oh, and it'll, it'll be, be awesome. great. It'll be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Me maybe too. If you've got spots, I'll for sure be there. So, well, I definitely got spots because right now there's nobody signed up yet because they just set up everything like today. So, oh, yeah, well, I got it go. all set up like it's all finalized and that. So, but when you're listening to this, folks, if you're around and you want to, and you can check out the check out on our forums under the show thread and stuff like that, it'll be there. Um, oh, I totally forgot. I was supposed to announce people for the painting for last year's painting contest because we finally got the forms up people post their stuff i will have that next episode uh next episode will also um either probably be about a book or uh, a live play out a scenario episode i don't know which yet but it'll probably be one of those that's what i'm thinking and then we're gonna do some other stuff so oh that's about it i think hey listen um alex thanks for coming on Thank you for having me. I know the content matter was a little dry, but you no, know what? I, I, it's I, good stuff. It's it's the topic I wanted to cover today, so I was interested, and I am my number one fan. So I thought it was a great show. So there we go. <laughs> and hey, Lindsay liked it, didn't you, Lindsay? Oh, that's yep. right. You yep, do yep, have that did. wonderful. Okay. See? Yeah. Awesome. See, see, oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. She really liked it, Alex. Oh, that's good. She did. That's very nice. She wanted me to let you know, top notch. That's awesome. what she said. She wanted to let you know. She said, tell Alex, top notch. So, okay, Dave. Okay. Just wanted to let you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> folks, uh, you could leave us reviews on iTunes if you. Th- I-, I like reading them. It really does make me happy. You can send emails. I read them. I don't always respond to them because I suck at responding to stuff because that's me. Um, but I do read them, and they warm my heart, uh, except when they're hate mail, and then I read it on the air, and then we made fun of it. No, we actually we didn't, but I was whatever. Um, other than that, 
yeah. So keep up with the good work. If they're still running that uh, music contest until I find the stuff that I really love, because I've got about four or five episodes before we've got to get that finalized. So got about a month or so. So if you've got some good ideas for some music to be the intro music and the commercial break music, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, All right. That's it. See you back here with episode 144. We're getting near 150. That's nuts. Yeah, it is. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's really, dude. I, I whatever. It's okay. Um, see, we're at one forty-four. Next episode, that's like twelve dozen. That's like six years of episodes or something like that. At two a month. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where we're at. We're that's, getting close that's to it. Nuts, man. I think my first, our first episode, I think, was like June, the beginning of June, in two thousand ten. Ten or six years of Garage Hammer. Holy cow. Yeah, this that's just stupid. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's just yeah, eleven, twelve. Yeah, that's just that's dumb. Alright folks, thank you so much for listening. Keep listening. We'll do this for another hundred and forty three episodes and we'll be talking about some other age. Age of whatever else came by after Sigmar got tired of throwing lightning bolts. Doesn't that sound great? But until then, until next time, until we meet again, just remember that only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at GarageHammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.